And now, how are you doing? It's uh, Thursday's programme. The time is exactly five o'clock here in Salford. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. This is your Richie Allen show. It begins now. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, the wonderful Dr. Ahmad Malik will be on the program at the top of the next even hour, a couple of minutes after it. You know him as an orthopedic surgeon. You know him as the host of Doc Malik Honest Health, an excellent podcast. He'll be taking your questions and hopefully one or two of your calls on WhatsApp, on Skype. That's in the second hour. Looking forward to that. Before that, David Vance returns to the programme. Geopolitical commentator and podcaster. Check out davidvance.net today with David. We'll be chatting about the main headlines this week. We'll talk about the fallout from the Conservative Party conference, which took place here at the... Well, it took place at the old GMEX centre in Manchester, but they stayed at the Midland Hotel, didn't they? So we'll talk about that with David Vance, as I said, Dr. Ahmad Malik, a little bit later on. Thursday's programme, brought to you this week in association with none other than NutraHealth365.com. Please check out NutraHealth365.com. I struggled because I've recently had a lot of orthodontistry. That's what it is. NutraHealth365. 365.com. There you go. Right, two minutes past the hour. Let's talk about some interesting things before we talk about other interesting things. BBC News at one today. The BBC News at one today. Asher Feckett, it's all over. It's all over. And now... Good afternoon and welcome to the BBC News at One. Temperatures across the world in September were the warmest on record, breaking the previous high by a huge margin, according by a huge margin, right? To the EU Climate Service, the, the EU Climate Service now is telling us the heat is being driven by ongoing emissions of gases warming the atmosphere, as well as the weather event known as El Nino. They say that 2023 is now on track to be the warmest on record. While our climate editor Justin. Rolat is here with me. Justin, this sounds really sobering. It is sobering, yes. Really sobering. September was 0.93 degrees Celsius, warmer than the average global temperature. What? 0.93? For the month. So that is almost a whole degree Celsius. Almost a whole degree? Celsius. That's a huge margin. When you Fucking huge! You remember that this is an average across the whole globe. Normally we'd expect variations of a small fraction of a degree. Normally... We'd expect variations of a fraction of a degree, but he said it's 0.9 of a degree. Right? What else did he have to say? Experts think this year will be, is on track certainly, to be the hottest year on record. So this really is a very, as you say, sobering finding. Sobering. There was a time on this planet many, many thousands of years ago when the temperatures were so warm, ice completely disappeared in the Arctic and the Antarctic, just to let you know. So this sort of news can be overwhelming. Is there any cause for optimism? It's overwhelming, says Rita Chakrabarty. Any optimism there, Justin? Look, I think we have to be clear that what we're seeing with this steady rise in global temperatures that we've seen now over decades, that our activities as human beings are beginning to fundamentally change the climate. In wow. Our activities as human beings fundamentally changing the climate. 
You know what follows, don't you? We have to change the way we live. In really profound ways. So we really do need to take heed of that. But there is an additional factor this year, which is a weather fluctuation called El Nino, which is uh, something that happens in the Pacific Ocean and delivers a blast of additional heat to the atmosphere. Small blast. Small blast. So does the presenter ask him, Justin, can you tell us the difference? How much of what is happening in September can be put down to El Nino and its blast of heat? And how much of it can be attributed to the greenhouse gases created by us human beings. Of course, she doesn't ask him. Because he doesn't know. Said the El Nino has only just started, so it's just begin, beginning to deliver that heat. It'll deliver more next year, scientists say. So, And I have to say, next year's probably going to be even hotter than this year. And uh, as you pointed out, the key issue here is carbon dioxide. The bad news is carbon dioxide emissions are still increasing. But... But there's good news. Last month, the International Agency, which is a kind of global energy watchdog, said that it thinks that emissions from fossil fuel, the key uh, source of, of carbon dioxide, so that's coal, oil and gas, will peak by 2030. So that's too late to avoid some more climate change, but would mean, if it happens, that the world is at last moving in the right direction. OK, thank you. Justin Rowlatt there. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for that bit of... Climate change news. OK, on Sky News this morning, just before noon, in fact, a woman called Zoe Cohen, you might have read in the newspaper, that in the West End last night, a production of Les Miserables was halted, was shut down by some climate nutters who jumped on the stage. The actors fled, and the actresses, I don't understand. I thought actors and actresses were made of sterner stuff. I thought most of them had learned a bit of karate and a bit of horse riding, and a bit of physical stuff so they could be in films as well. They legged it backstage, the actors and the actresses, when they were confronted by the sweaty, woolly jumpers of the, of the, of the Just Stop Oil Brigade. So they shut down Les Miserables, the performance had to be cancelled. Speaking to Sky about this today, a woman called Zoe Cohen. We've heard from Zoe before. So why did Just Stop Oil decide to disrupt a performance of Les Miserables? Uh, why not? Why not? Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Miss Presenter. Well, why not? The people in the audience might say that they paid a lot of money for their tickets and wanted to see a show and didn't really want to, to see Just a Boyle on stage. But, um, with respect and love, Anna, I think you fully well know. With respect and love, Anna, says Zoe. Why we do this? You know, you've just been reporting more advising Mediterranean, haven't you? And you've been reporting um, the absolute acceleration of global temperatures, record-breaking temperatures all summer, like the threshold that world scientists were telling, screaming at politicians to avoid, we've gone past it now. Like the threshold. Scientists were screaming at politicians not to go above these temperatures as if human beings have any control over the climate, any control whatsoever over global average temperatures. It's laughable, but anyway, this gets more mad. Like decades earlier, Young, young people are desperate. Their parents are desperate. Their grandparents are desperate. Why wouldn't young people do anything peaceful to try to save humanity's future? I mean, it's insane to think that a theatre performance is more important than food on the table. Now, and? And yet, for those people in the audience, they will feel we've spent a lot of money on our tickets. This is an important day for us. There's another time, perhaps, to have that debate, not when we've come to see a show we might have been looking forward to for many months. 
to be honest with you, I hate musical theatre so much that if I'd have been there, dragged along by somebody, I would have paid just a while to jump on stage and stop it. That's how much I hate musicals. But anyway, right? That's neither here nor there. These people came, they paid their money, the punters. Some of them travelled great distances to be in the West End to watch Les Miserables. Les Mis, what's going on? I know, I know you used to present the climate show on Sky, didn't you? Yeah. My heart's ringing. Who's asking the questions here? So the rather deranged woman says, you used to present the climate show on Sky, so you know better. I'm beating fast because I feel like I'm on the Don't Look Up movie. Her heart is beating very fast. She's vexed at the inactivity, at the lack of seriousness, the lack of Anna, the Sky presenter, taking this seriously. Yeah. My heart's really beating fast because I feel like I'm on the Don't Look Up movie. Like, we don't have to keep the, the news light anymore. We have to tell the truth. What? You don't have to keep the news light anymore? Since when have they been keeping the news light in recent years? What's wrong with this woman? How many people have to die? You know, Oxfam say that people are dying every few seconds in the Horn of Africa because of extreme climate doubt, drought. 40, uh, 14 million people in this country are struggling to eat because of the cost of greed crisis and the cost of oil and the cost of living. And heatflation, which is term, a term that people probably don't hear, but it's the fact that the climate crisis is driving up food costs. Heat Heatflation. Heatflation is going to go up and up and up. Unless we have a government who cares, or we the people take control. That's what we need. We need to do. There's no one to vote for. You know, you can't... The, the Tories are bonkers. Labour's not much better. Who can you vote for who's actually going to end new oil and gas and give us the tiny sliver of a chance of a future? Mm, we'll hear plenty more of that in times to come, I think. Citizens' assemblies. How do we circumnavigate... How do we circumnavigate democracy? We don't live in a democracy. Of course, you know this, I know this. But they'll be saying to people like Zoe, and she'll believe it, we can't allow politicians... We cannot leave the saving of the planet in the hands of the politicians. So from now on in, we will have to enforce change ourselves in our towns, in our villages, in our communities, in our local authorities. This is where it's all going. Check out windowsontheworld.net Mark Windows. He's been banging this drum for many years. Crazy. It's uh, 10 minutes past the hour. You're with Richie Allen on Thursday. Very good. Acker has been on to say, please mention collapse of a recently built dam on Tista River in Sikkim in the Himalayas. Collapse of such dams in Tibet on Brahmaputra, Mekong and other rivers could have serious consequences for those downstream. Why did they collapse Acker? Is it because they were poorly built or because they are very old or because of sabotage? Maybe do let me know, pal. I'd appreciate that. Graham says, as a grumpy, photosensitive, overly sweaty backstard, I'm positively enjoying today's grey, wet chilliness. Thank you. Mike says, warmest. It's either hottest or coldest. Warmest is just perspective. Hi to Maria, who went to Heathrow last weekend to see a car for the eldest, right? And uh, no, she says, three and a half thousand pounds doesn't even buy you a little runaround anymore. Have prices shot up for second-hand cars, or is it me? It isn't you, Maria. And guess what? She says, the roads around the runways are you, Les. If it wasn't so serious, you could laugh. What a piss take. The world is upside down and people don't see the irony. Regards, that's Maria, who's in sorry. Thank you, Maria. Yes, second-hand cars, extremely expensive at the moment. Kevin Keegan is a former footballer. Kevin Keegan. 
He won the Vidal Sassoon Award for the world's greatest perm five years in a row from 1976 to 1980. He managed Newcastle. I'd love it if we beat them. He managed England and resigned in the tunnel after losing a game to the Germans. He's an emotional chap. He's travelling around at the moment doing an evening with. So an evening with Kevin Keegan where you get to sit there and listen to football anecdotes from Kevin's career like why Emily Hughes really was an actual crazy horse, an actual horse who dressed up as a footballer and fooled everybody and how Phil Thompson once got his nose stuck up Gerard Houllier's arse. Those are the types of anecdotes you can expect. Anyway Kevin has enraged the politically correct because he's fed up of women pundits doing live men's games. Hashtag me too Kevin. I watch football to get away from women, specifically my woman. Uh, To ban her from watching it with me. Get out of the room or I'll just leave the room and watch it somewhere else. So what did Kevin say? Well, reported by the Times, he said he's 72 now, Kevin Keegan. We're all getting old. He says, I don't like to listen to ladies talking about the England men's team at the match because I don't think it's the same experience. I have a problem with that. But then he went on to say, the presenters we have now, some of the girls are so good they are better than the guys, it's a great time for the ladies. But if I see an England lady footballer saying about England against Scotland at Wembley, and she's saying, if I would have been in that position, I would have done this. I don't think it's quite the same. I don't think it crosses over that much. So, hmm, dear listener, it seems he's not got too much of an issue with the sex of the pundits then. Just that a former female player shouldn't be relating to the experiences of the male player as she won't have played at the same level as him. They're not thrilled though, some of the ladies. Wait till you hear this dizzy muppet, woman called Kate Borsey. She's a football journalist. In a moment you'll hear Imarn Ayton from Black Lives Matter. They were on the Jeremy Vine show to give Kevin Keegan a good kicking the misogynistic sexist bastard. Uh, Yes, he should apologise and he needs to demonstrate also why he's sorry. I'll come on to that in a minute. First of all, the language. Who calls them lady footballers? Do you know any lady footballers? Yeah, the England lady football, football team. What are we supposed to call them? What are we supposed to call them? What could possibly be offensive or be misconstrued as sexism or misogyny um, what about ladies is misogynistic? I don't get it. They're the England ladies team, right? I don't. I know female footballers. I know women's footballers. And I- but you don't know any ladies. They're a shower of bitches then, are they? The women you know. Actually, interestingly, as long as I've been covering women's football, which is nearly 15 years now, the different teams have gone from Arsenal ladies to Arsenal women's mm. to then just Arsenal mm. or Chelsea. So- yeah, they have. They've gone from Arsenal ladies to Arsenal women, then just down to Arsenal. But that's gaslighting. That's wokeism. That's politically correct gone fucking mad. Okay? Arsenal is the Arsenal's men's team. It's always been. You've got to put the you've got to put ladies on the end of that when you're speaking about the ladies team, otherwise we won't know. If you say to any bloke in the country who's just woken up from a coma and you say to him Arsenal won last night, they beat Chelsea five three, or they lost to Man United four one, he's gonna go did they? Shit. Um, was, was Charlie Nicholas playing? He's been in a coma. No, you misogynistic bastard. I was talking about the women's team. Well, say the women's team then. All right? Anyway, listen to more of this. So we've progressed. Why hasn't Kevin Keegan? He's got mm. no excuse. No excuse for what? 
Poor old Kevin. Well, well, does he not have an excuse because he is from an older generation? Older generation. This is the presenter, a woman called Storm. She had hippie parents. Here's Storm. And I wonder whether, that you know, he's just saying how he feels. That's get out of jail card, so I have to add that. But no, we don't want to get out of jail. Let, let's rewind. The woman butting in is Black Lives Matter, Imran Aiton. She hates Kevin. Well, I don't know if she does. Add that, but no, we don't want to get out of jail cards, it's please, because of it. that's ageism, okay, Storm. Just... That's ageism. It's ageism, Storm. Storm, it's ageism. Don't give him a get-out-of-jail card. Don't say, look, it's a generational thing. He's 72. These are the words he uses. No, he should be dead now. He should be dead. He either uses the correct terminology and he either has the appropriate opinions or he should fucking commit suicide, says the Black Lives Matter woman. No excuses. No get out of jail. No, nothing. There's no fucking nuance here at all. It's black and white. He's either ageist, sexist, misogynistic, or or he isn't, or he's perfect. Um, Interesting. We're going to lead with ageism because we're talking about sexism. Yeah. So he you should just... know better. Yes, I and agree. also, he should know better if he wants to work in football again mm -hmm. widely, commercially, because otherwise he's going to stitch himself up here. And that's Kate Borsey. I love that the implicit threat there. You know, either step into line, Kevin, or you won't won't work again anymore. Now, Kevin Keegan doesn't work in televised football anymore at least not as far as I understand it so he won't give a damn about being threatened by the likes of Kate Borsey isn't this astonishing he said that he doesn't like it when women who have played football and we're talking about retired women who will not have played at the level of Harry Kane for example so when they're analysing games and they're saying well I would have done this he doesn't like it hashtag me too Kevin he went on to say that women are some of the best presenters. In fact, he named Gabby Logan, who I've said to you before, is a presenter I admire greatly. She's a great presenter. Worked her way up. You see, a lot of the younger presenters, like Alex Scott, for example, and Karen Carney, they haven't worked their way up. They've been thrust right into um, primetime sports presentation without having any real grounding in it, which I have a problem with, right? And uh, not not a problem with their their gender or their biological sex. Certainly not a problem with their ethnicity. And that's the point he was making, you know. But uh, no, you can't say that. You're not allowed in 2023. This goes on a little bit more. He, what he says is he doesn't like when female footballers say, if I was in that position, I would have done this. Because he says that the two games don't cross over that much. Okay, but if it won't cross over that much, then how can a male person coach the female game? That's that's absolute rubbish, by the way. The games do cross over. They are slightly different. The women's game is more technical. It flows more freely. But what did she just say there, Kate Borsey? The women's game is more technical and flows more freely? You thought Zoe Cohen, the Just Stop Oil woman, was batshit crazy? Listen to this. Slightly different. The women's game is more technical. It flows more freely. No, no, it doesn't. Because they dive less and they call for fouls less, OK? The women dive less and call for fouls less. Therefore, the game is uh, more technical and it flows more freely. She must have been pissed when she went on air on Channel 5 this morning. Okay, so there's slight differences there. But otherwise, it is the same game. And, you know, many of these footballers, if you're talking about Alex Scott or Karen... It's not the same game at all. It isn't the same game. Men's football is faster, obviously, for obvious reasons, okay, because of the differences, the physiological differences between the sexes. Men's game is much, much, much more, much quicker, far more skillful, far more technical, and a thousand times more exciting than the women's game. 
Like it or lump it, ladies. That's the truth. Carney, both former footballers who commentate on the men's game and give, you know, an and are applauded for their work, mm. by the way, by men and women equally, they will have started playing with well, could boys. I just say that? Alex Scott, who took over football focus on the BBC, is one of the worst presenters the BBC ever introduced to, to, to daytime or to primetime broadcasting. She is horrendous, Alex Scott. I'm, I'm a pretty decent presenter. I coached and trained some pretty decent presenters. I know a little bit about it. Alex Scott has got nothing going for her whatsoever. She was given the job because it ticks a few boxes. She's a woman of colour. She's a lesbian. Fantastic. Let's put Alex into a flagship, um, decades-old, much-loved programme after a bloke leaves. Let's just put her in there. You know, positive discrimination, and they lose several million viewers. Like that. But if you say that Alex Scott's a useless presenter, which she is, you'll be called a misogynist. And in some cases, you'll be called racist because she's a woman of colour. No, no misogyny, no racism. The woman is useless. Absolutely useless. This is the woman who lost her mind when she was presenting some of the Olympic Games coverage for the BBC. And an old Tory peer tweeted at her and asked her to pronounce her I-N-G's is that it is fencing we're watching. Swimming, not swimming and fencing, you see. So I like Kevin Keegan in terms of what he said. Uh, Harry Redknapp, Jesus, Harry weighed in on this on Talk Radio. Very brave, yeah. As you say, a lot of people will be thinking that, for sure. Uh, a lot of people will be thinking, well, you know, great. Have the, have the women commentating on the men's football, for sure. But, you know... Let's have the men. There's lots of great men pundits around doing the men's football. So I just think it's gone a little bit, uh, a little bit the other way at the moment. But listen, there's lots of very knowledgeable women. Out, make no mistake. And I love the women's football. I followed the, the World Cup. I followed every game, the Euros. Yeah, Harry's probably sincere. He follows the women. I watched the women's World Cup final. It was a great game. England against Spain. I enjoyed watching it. I've been to see the Man United women. I enjoyed watching them. But it's nowhere near men's football and as Redknapp said there is a disproportionate amount of women now working as pundits on the men's game co-commenting on the men's game or presenting the programmes a disproportionate amount and if you're listening to the BBC in the mornings on the radio like on a Thursday morning so on the Wednesday night Liverpool knock Leicester out of the league cup right on the Thursday morning on the breakfast programme they'll say something like well let's hear from a Liverpool and a Leicester fan now to talk about last game last night's game we've got Mary Walsh from Liverpool and we've got Sandra Waring from Leicester. This is the sort of shit you're putting up with. It's gaslighting men, really. I mean, it really is. It drives me... I just turn it off straight away. I mean, you're having a laugh, right, every morning. Well, we've got a, a Man United fan now. We've got Carrie Smith. Hi, Carrie. What? Is there any men watching football in the United Kingdom at the moment? Seemingly not, if you're listening to the BBC. Rishi Sunak then obviously wound up a lot of the trans people in Manchester over the last couple of days. He said biological sex matters. He, he's just a bullshitter, Rishi Sunak. He doesn't care about this. It's what he's being told to talk about. And it's distraction politics, distracting away from the many failures of his government. So I do get that. There's no doubt about that. But it's also important, right? So he says, men are men, women are women. Never the twain shall cross. Well, they do cross, of course. And he says, look, there you go. So obviously, trans women, which, which trans women are men, no such thing as a trans woman. That's gibberish, okay? So a trans woman... Uh, there's one in particular who keeps showing up on Sky. Ellie Gomerzol. 
Ellie Gomerzol, big gob, president of the National Union of Students in Scotland. Ellie's not happy at all with Rishi Sunak. We're being cancelled, goddammit. Hate crime against trans people has more than doubled in recent years. You've got to challenge this shit too, you know. When a trans person says hate crime against trans women has doubled, you have to challenge it and say, well, can you give us an example of that? Where, where are you getting your statistics? It's bullshit because we know that something, uh, something like a trans woman phoning a police station to say that somebody has misgendered them, that is recorded as a hate crime. So you can't say it's doubled, that crimes against trans people have doubled, because they haven't really. Generally, nobody gives a shit about trans people, and nor should they, right? Um, when you look at the British Social Attitude Survey, which was published recently, you can see that support for trans people and support for trans rights, actually, when you go back a few years ago, just as far back as, as 2019, support among the general public was actually pretty high. It was well into the majority. No, no, when you go back a few years, it wasn't that support for trans people was high. It was because we had nice trans people back then. We actually had nice, approachable, you know, palatable, decent, conversational trans people. And they didn't want too much from us. We didn't want too much from them. We had a bit of sympathy there, but for the grace of God, go why? Of course, I'll call you by whatever name you want. And everything was hunky-dory and we all got on. This is why if people were polled by the papers years ago, they didn't express any revulsion, they didn't express any contempt for trans people because trans people generally minded their own fucking business, as did we, and we were happy. But something has changed in the intermittent years, in the intervening years. Little arseholes like this bloke, Ellie, have come along demanding that they access uh, female spaces reserved exclusively for biological females, demanding that people live their fantasies with them and, and validate their bullshit. That's what has happened. And this is why when you do a poll now, the majority of people say, I'm getting a bit fed up with these people. Who supported you know, trans rights and the ability to, for us to change our legal uh, sex and gender and things like that. And now, actually, you know, uh, the number of people who openly say that they're prejudiced against trans people has increased really quite significantly, almost a majority of the population. And that's terrifying as someone who has to like go out and live my life as a trans person. You know, this isn't uh, a topic for debate at a conference for me. It's my everyday, day-to-day -day life. And when I see, you know, the amount of abuse that myself and, and other people, my friends... He's lying. He doesn't get any abuse. He, he might read some nasty tweets, but he doesn't get abuse when he's in the public. He does not. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll finish this section of the programme by telling you this. This is my opinion, but I believe it to be 100% true. The problem with guys like him who want to live as a woman. Their real problem is, is going out now in, in public and not knowing, this is the problem, is going out and not knowing what people think or not knowing, um, I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. I had something to say, but I'm not going to say it now because I don't have time to get into it. David Vance, by the way, is standing by. We'll chat with David. Dr. Ahmad Malik will be on the programme a little bit later on. Uh, the time is 27 minutes past the hour. It's time for Oasis then. We don't hear too much Oasis on this programme, so we don't. You're with the Richie Allen Show, Thursday, the 5th of October. Nobody 
Your body's defenses are under constant attack from flu, respiratory diseases, and the common cold. Now more than ever, it is essential that you have a robust immune system. And as we all know, vitamin D3 plays an essential role in this. Immunex 365 is our unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C, and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. This unique combination of nutrients ensures efficient bioavailability of D3, thereby giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex Immunex 365 every day. For your peace of mind, all NutriHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Go to NutriHealth365.com to get yours now. That's NutriHealth365.com. You're listening to your Richie Allen show on RichieAllen.co.uk. Yes, do download the app from Google Play or from the App Store. My guest this hour doesn't need very much introduction to you. He's a recurring guest. Great to have him on. Love having him on. Check him out at davidvance.net. He's a terrific geopolitical commentator and podcaster. Welcome back, David. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, Richie. And can I say how great it is to be back? It, uh, it's been so long since we were it here has. together. It was, it was late spring, wasn't it? It was late it was, spring. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Look what's happened since then. As if, um, yeah, lots of sound. I'll tell you what, David, I'm getting a, a weird ringing sound, so I'm just going to clear out the call and reconnect, if you don't mind. I'll tell you what, David, that was quick. Welcome back. How are you? Yeah, great song as well. The Clash, I Fought the Law. I remember it well, Richie. You're old enough to remember that. You're old enough to probably have attended the Clash <laughs> when they were in Belfast and Dublin and elsewhere back in the day. I, I, I was there at the Ulster Hall back in 1977. I remember, I think it was, uh, that was, yeah, that was a early days. Uh, of course, I was a child, you understand, Reggie. I was I was taken by my father and mother whilst in the pram. But uh, no, seriously, I was there at the Clash, yeah. Clash gig in 77. Amazing, I was one of the first ones I ever went to. Well, it's an amazing thing to be able to say that. Obviously, Lon- mm. London Calling came out around about then. Um, the, the famous U2, uh, one of the members of U2 was at that same gig as you, believe it or not, uh, and I'd seen mm-hmm. them in Dublin, and it had informed you know them and had kind of inspired them to go on and, and form a group. But anyway, at, at the speed of light, I had to input all of your details into a WhatsApp. We're on, we're live, I'm delighted. Look, um, the Conservative Party conference is here. It was here for several days. They're gone, thank God. Um, all the drones. You wouldn't believe the amount of drones, David, flying over Manchester. Mm. Amazing. They're mm. gone in any case. Richie Sunak says um, they're going to stop the boats, he said. Let's deal with that first and foremost. 600,000 was the net migration figure last year. More like 660,000 last year. Mm. For, for listeners who don't know, you subtract those who leave from those who come in and you get your net. That's about the size of three... V- Pretty decent cities landing in the UK in one year. Sunak says he's going to stop it. Do you buy it? Not a word. Absolutely not a word. I mean, the fact of the matter is that this conference, well, the farce of the last couple of days, Richie, all it is, it's it's a desperate Conservative Party throwing out red meat in some vain hope that it will persuade the gullible to, you know, rally to their side. But when it comes to... Uh, immigration. The, the Conservatives have had, they've had 13 years to deal with this and what's happened, it's gotten so much worse. So to suggest, as uh, Rishi Sunak does, that somehow magically it's going to be fixed. When In fact, actually, just, just think about this for a second. 
this is the government that was going to send them all to Rwanda or to, uh, to Rwanda. Yeah, a laughable notion. How many have gone to Rwanda, Richie, to, to the nearest? It's, I reckon it's zero, right? It was zero, yeah. So then they were going to put them on the uh, on the boat instead, the, the barge. How many's on the barge to the nearest? Uh, Don't tell me it's zero. zero. It's zero, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so it's it's just games. It's just it's just rhetorical games which they think they can persuade a section of their electorate to buy. Whether they do it or not, Richie, I have no idea. You've no I idea. Mean, can I ask you this, David? Look, I, I I love I love a point. I know you do as well. It's um it's in our blood, mm-hmm. it's in our DNA. Yeah. Regardless of whether you're you're a unionist or a nationalist, we love a point, right? Yeah. Um uh-huh. I, I do hear from time to time speaking to the BBC or Sky or ITN well I think I think sincere Republicans and they say look we need a bit of this immigration we need a bit of it because we're in dire straits post um, you know forced lockdown and the furlough schemes and we can't get staff at the moment because people are not so keen to come and work in pubs anymore so we need some of this so if we go kind of if we come down on one side of the migration thing and say, look, we've got to stop migration, even for a time period, you've got to stop it until we figure out where we need to be. Are we not harming industries that rely on, you know, a flow of Europeans, say, young men and women coming here to study, working in the evenings, keeping that industry kind of turning over? What do you reckon? Well, the, the thing is, I mean, there, there's legal and there's illegal migration. The illegal migration has to be completely stopped to zero. But when it comes to legal migration, that's a different matter. And that's something which, if you remember, it, when we voted for Brexit, we said, look, we'll take control of our borders and we'll decide based on our needs, Richie, how many people we can bring in. You know, so so there's a compromise. But let me put it this way. We don't need 600,000 barmen now, do we? No, no. But what what are we saying then? So once Brexit happened, there was a two year negotiation period, article, whatever it was, 52. I can't remember. Yeah. And all of that yeah. nonsense. Um, I don't like like yourself. I don't believe a word out of the mouths of any politician um, from any party anymore. And I haven't done for a long time. So when they said we'll leave the European Union, we'll take control of our borders. They were lying or they didn't know whether they could do that or not. Is that a fair assessment that they didn't really understand what needed to be done to really take back control of the borders? No, I don't agree. I agree with what the first thing you said. I think they were lying. In fact, I always think they're lying. So they they, they made noises. And to be honest with you, I don't even quite understand why they made those noises, because it's patently clear that despite, I mean, the the Brexit vote happened despite the politicians, as you know, Richie, and they didn't expect us to win, but we did accidentally. And since then, they've done nothing to implement anything about Brexit. To me, Brexit's a, it's it's all over. It's it's gone. It's not even an issue anymore because there's more important stuff. But but on, on the issue of taking back control of borders, they didn't. They did the opposite. They abandoned control of borders. I mean, for God's sake, look at the beaches in the south coast. Uh, there's the, 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 there's no border. It's a bit like the states. There's no borders, and and that's deliberate, of course, as we know, as part of a broader plan. But the Conservative government have not lived up to any expectation regarding immigration, good, bad, or indifferent. So to think that they would do it now, the year before a general election, I I suggest, Richie, is being 
extremely naive. So you say it's red meat. It's the, it's what they think their base will want to hear six or eight months out from a general election, just like mm. just like the 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 gender um, stuff and and just like the critical race stuff. This is red meat, really. None of this really matters. And and what do you think? I mean, would Keir Starmer have to be unearthed as Jack the Ripper to not form the next government? Do you think? Is it an absolute racing <laughs> yeah. certainty? I think he would have to be unearthed in that. I think it's a definite incoming Labour government, regardless. But but I'll tell you what I do think. If you look at the polls in the past week during this conference and in the sort of the week before that, when you know Sunak and the gang started to get into the culture wars and say some things, you could see that they came up in the polls a bit. I think they gained about five points, and that's that's where the red meat works. It brings up their numbers. So I think um, probably between now and the election you'll get more of this stuff it'll it, there's no there's no way it's going to save them they're, they're gone but it could mean that the the scale of defeat and this is the important bit is is, is quite small which might mean that you don't have a majority labor government which i think will be every bit as bad probably worse as a majority conservative government but i mean in both scenarios i despise they're all the uni party there's no difference there's only it's only around the edges you know i'm oh look at me how blue i am look how red i am they're all the same it this is matter. the problem it's, it's a uni party that needs to be smashed and unfortunately, the parliamentary system that we have reinforces it. It doesn't allow us to do that. How do you convince people? Now, you might disagree with me, but I've been one of my central thesis or series for many, many years is that civil servants vicariously and then think tanks and obviously financial institutions run things and politicians are basically front men, window dressers. They don't make policies. Um, I think that's true. If I'm right, how do you go about convincing people of that truth? Because I've had zero success with it over the years, explaining to them, as you eloquently put it, it matters not a damn who has the keys to Downing Street. No, you see, but but you're right. It's this is the this is the government in the shadows. It's always there, the perpetual government, the civil service, which um, carries on regardless of who's in Downing Street uh, and what shade of uh, the uni party it is. Um, and 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 actually, in some ways, that's a bigger problem than the Conservatives or Labour or any of the rest of them, because these people aren't elected. This is the problem. They're not elected, but. Essentially, they're the people dictating so much. Civil service have been to the core in making sure Brexit didn't happen. Civil service have been to the core in making sure that we don't uh, deport, uh, you know, those who shouldn't be here. Um, and 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 Richie, the problem is that the ordinary person doesn't seem to really grasp this. The shadow government, and then the deeper consequences of that, namely, well, if we don't like Sunak, we can boot him out and we can bring in. You know, Starmer for what that's worth, but you don't put out the uh, the shadow government, the civil service. They're always there. And in fact, when Thatcher, one of the things that Thatcher did that was bad was she. Well, one of the several things, but one, she basically split the civil service into all these little sort of cells so that they couldn't take a unified industrial action. So that means that you, you can't really even sack them. 
You know what I mean? It's a really big problem, and you're very shrewd, Richie, to be on this, to be on 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 the mark in this one. It's a huge problem, and no one talks about it. No. So what we do no. is we throw, you know, we throw the we 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 throw the, the all the sort of the the words at the politicians, but it's it's those behind the scenes who lurk in the shadows who've got the power, and when Sunak's thrown out of Downing Street next year. They'll still be there. It must be an amazing realization because not every one of the politicians who, who, who achieves a lofty position like a secretary of state position or even the prime minister, not every one of them will be compromised beforehand. I believe many are through mm-hmm. people like Epstein and agents like him and others, but not all of them will be. It must come as a real shock to them when they get in to realise that they're not going to be drafting any legislation in reality. They're not going to be doing whatever it is they told their electorate they would be doing, that they will be met by and greeted by shadowy figures who tell them, this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. And I'll tell you what keeps me up nights, or it used to anyway. So you you got these, like 100,000 civil servants. We don't know who they are, but we also don't know who might be instructing them. Which agencies, which think tanks, which organisations, which supranational bodies might have their claws in these civil servants? I mean, these are fair questions to be asking, aren't they? But nobody's ever going to answer them. No, that's right. You're never going to get an answer. But they are fair questions because, in in, in my opinion, uh, and this this is how they've been able to work it. I suppose, well, particularly maybe over the last twenty years or whatever, but you could argue going back before that as well. Um, the 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 civil service cannot be dismissed. It controls all the levers of powers. Those those few politicians that aren't compromised, as you say, must get one hell of a shock when it's explained to them that basically be a good little boy or girl and do what we advise and everything will be fine. Yeah. And, and and that's mm-hmm. as far that's as much as they go. You know, that's why I mean who would want to be a politician um unless someone, you know, someone with psychopathic tendencies. Um and David, can so, I just jump in yeah, there? Excuse me yeah. for jumping in. Is this the reason is this one of the reasons then? Why there isn't a single sceptic in the House of Commons when it comes to some of the claims, the apocalyptic claims about climate collapse. Does that explain it, as we've been talking about in the last few minutes? Not a single MP says, hang on a second, this is a bit crazy. Why are we not listening to the scientists, you know, who who disagree with it and who can dismantle the models? Have we just explained the reason? I think we have. It's 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 a homogenous. Con- People talk about controlled opposition, right? The entire parliament is a controlled opposition insofar as it it is controlled, as you say rightly. It's 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 controlled. It operates within specific boundaries. And I mean, if that was that's never been more manifest than in 2020 and 2021 in particular, when you know they imposed the COVID tyranny upon us all, and and there wasn't anybody, and that includes Andrew Bridgen. There was nobody stood up, not one. Um, so 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 I think. That we have explained the problem, and and it's it's great to bring it to air, Richie, on your show because people need to understand. Therefore, that we can get as mad as we want about Labour or Tories, but actually we're missing the the puppet masters in the background. And then the thing that you also worry about: well, who's controlling their strengths? David Vance is our <laughs> guest. DavidVance.net. David, the geopolitical commentator and podcaster. He's been on every, at least he was 
until he got a bit too hot for Sky and for others because he had a bit too much to think. He had a bit too much to think, David Vance. That's the problem. We can't have that. Um, but D- D- David's uh, website, check it out, folks. If you haven't before, I'm sure you have. It's, uh, it's terrific. Look, um, I don't want to be pissing on your chips. I don't want to be trodding on any toes. I, I shoot from the hit me, um, but I can take it. I can take it right back. So I'm not having a go at anybody that you might be associated with, so don't think I am. I'm having a go at the structure. Look, I never believed for a minute, and I said it at the beginning when these stations launched, because I've been doing this since 2009, right? Um, I never believed for a minute that GB News and Talk TV would ever really threaten the status quo and would ever talk about the things that you and I talk about today and that you talk about on your excellent podcast. So I'm I'm really bemused by the amount of people who kind of claim to be awake and who are suddenly aghast, you know, that GB News would kick out a couple of commentators and, you know, Talk TV would have a giggle about it. They are the establishment, David. GB News put politicians, MPs on the air and give them their own programmes instead of holding their feet to the fire. These were never going to take on the system, were they? At least I don't think so. Well, you see, just as I have been, as you say, ruthlessly expunged from mainstream media, I would point out I've never been invited onto GB News and I've never been invited onto Talk uh, Talk TV as well. So I, I have huge sympathy with what you say. I, I broadly speaking agree with it, actually. You know, I mean, I've not, I'm, to, to be really honest, I mean, have I even watched GB News? No. Uh, I don't because um, by and large, it's not that interesting to me. I'm more interested in this form of communications than this kind of cliched, let's do it the old school way of uh, via, you know, the uh, traditional uh, TV route. Um, But having said that, having said that, um, I mean, GB, the whole GB news thing, everyone's been caught, well, I've been caught up in that as well. And I suppose it's because I know Lawrence Fox, right? I know Lawrence, I know Calvin a wee bit. Um, beyond that, I don't know uh, the, the others. Um, people like Neil Oliver and I, he's followed me and I followed him on Twitter for years. So um, so what I see is with these chat platforms, and I've got into heated arguments about this. Yes, they they are absolutely controlled, 100%. Talk, talk TV even more so than GB News. Um, but, but GB News is going through these convulsions. And I think it's because, you know, ultimately they're all Ofcom regulated. You and I know what that means. So they walk a very fine line. And really, can you do anything worthwhile on an Ofcom controlled uh, broadcaster? I'd say probably not. Probably not. So, probably. you know, probably not. I've been honest about it. So therefore, you know, I mean, I, I, I have sympathies, a degree of sympathies for those who have lost their jobs. I'd be sad for anybody you know, listening to this, who would lose their jobs in a very public manner. So I have sympathies in that front. Um, but but ultimately, you know, with GB News, it started with Mark Stein. You'll remember last year, Mark Stein got the boot and people stayed very quiet back then. I remember the other colleagues. And now that Lawrence has got the boot, Calvin's got the boot. I don't know what they're going to do with Wooten. No idea. Um, uh, now, others, you know, they continue to stay quiet. But here, here's a question for you. Don't you think if you compare, Richie, the people on the political left, like when Gary Lineker was deplatformed, well, was suspended by the BBC, what happened? All those lefty, lovey lefties around them, the Alan Shearers of this world, they all came out in sympathy and unity. 
You compare that to the the righties, so to speak, on GB News. They, they were fighting to get the, the vacancy the minute the guys were on suspension. Why is it that the right can't unite, but the left can? I don't know. It's a great, great point. It's brilliant because we, we should overlook Lineker's positions, his political views. They don't matter. You're right. His mates came and stood alongside him and by doing so risked their own backsides on that channel. Um, but what we've seen with GB News, we've seen the opposite. I don't know. I'll tell you what I do believe. I never thought we'd end up discussing this, to be honest. I... I've been doing this a very long time and as you know I came out of commercial and national media you know so I produced mm-hmm. top rated talk shows I'm I'm a, um, a qualified journalist and I'll tell you what I've seen I've seen narcissism rise in the last 10 years I've seen people who have seen their careers slow down in one area and they've seen there's a big big market in the independent media that there is a um an opportunity to make money and also to become famous again by telling people what they want to hear. And and that bothers me and it's bothered me for a long time. And when I've spoken about this, I've been accused of jealousy, which is silly. It's that ad hominem bollocks, excuse my language. It isn't jealousy. I see this, like you mentioned Dan Wooten. Lawrence Fox would be in a job today if Dan Wooten had done his job. And I don't understand why he didn't. If I had been interviewing Lawrence Fox, I would have said, Lawrence, stop it, will you? Just stop it. Um, whether or not you'd go to bed with this uh, lady is irrelevant. Take on her argument, play the ball, don't play the man or the woman in this. I don't understand that. You see, that sort of carry on. It's very Fox News from the mid-1990s, people sitting in front of a camera, screaming down the lens and telling people how things are. Now, those things, they might be, as the presenter says they are, but there's no debate or any kind of intellectual quality there. Do you get what I'm saying? And that's how I've seen it go. And I'm not accusing Lawrence Fox of this or Calvin Robinson, but quite a few of these people have popped up. I'll tell you people like Mike Graham for sure on Talk TV. Those are just grifters. There's an opportunity here for me to tell people what they want to hear loudly, make some money, talk about immigration, talk about wokeism, happy days, Bob's your uncle, you know, I'll cash my cheque. And that's how I see Mm -hmm. the independent Mm -hmm. media going. And it's not good, is how I see it. You can no, tear well, that yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah. listen, I, I agree with that. And, and, and yeah, th- th- this is the problem. It is the rise of narcissism. It, it is people who... Pop, I mean, I've never been able to do this. My, my, my curse or gift, I don't know what you call it, Richie, is I just say things as I honestly feel them. I won't say them to suit someone else's you know, uh, uh, feelings. Uh, if, if you ask me, you ask me a question, I'll give you an honest answer. Uh, if I if I'm presenting my podcast, I do talk about the things that matter to me, and 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 people can like them or not. I don't care. But so many in the independent media, the alternative media, are are, are playing the tunes that they think people want to hear, and. I think there's a lack of sincerity. There's a lot of inte- there's a lack of integrity as well, and, and that's what we've got. But then that's why we're not on those platforms. By the same token, if we had integrity, I think we would have had to sell it and to get to get the gig. Well, you crave what I crave. And what was it, Dan Wooden on? Yeah, well, I, I I just want to have honest conversations. Exactly, that's what I get off on the honesty. Of, yeah, and conversations, yeah, yeah, but, and, and conversations with people who might not necessarily see things as you do. I mean, that's that's the thing that might eventually drive me out of 
making the program and I'm not making any threats or anything or I'm not trying to wind up my listeners but it's become an increasingly frustrating thing for me that I because I used to be able to do this before COVID politicians would come on with me who fundamentally opposed the things I believe in and we would have wonderful long form conversations and they were worthwhile and valuable but I can't do that now because of the way things have gone people won't talk to me and you're having the same problem you're an Irishman you're a conversational Mm -hmm. guy you want Mm -hmm. to talk to people you want to speak to those who you disagree with but these things can't happen now so it's become very Fox News mid 1990s very polarised well I'll tell you how I think it is it's the great reset man god damn it and I'll get clicks I'll get likes and I'll get Patreon and all of that and to me, it goes nowhere in the end. And it's very sad and depressing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 and, and there's other layers to it as well, because so many of those people that sort of come to the fore in the alternative media, uh, some of them have like very high profiles and the likes of YouTube and whatnot. And uh, I wonder about that, Richie, because I'm demonetized in YouTube. Uh, I don't put anything out in YouTube or I'll, I'll be absolutely crushed and punished and struck and finally removed off it. And I wonder about some of these intrepid heroes over there as well who've got hundreds of thousands of followers, maybe a million followers plus in some instances, and they can keep on going. I wonder about that as well. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's very hard to be in a position where we want to have honest conversations with people, you know, d- diametrically opposed, but do it in a in the right way and, and, and whatnot. Um, that, that's not what GB News and talk TV uh, are about. But I would say a final point on it is there, there I do believe there are some good people they're doing trying to do a job i think there, there, yeah, are there some, must be there must be yeah i agree with that yeah you know what i mean yeah so i i don't i, I wouldn't want to totally generalize it and, and and say that they're all just grifters but you're dead right there's a these these it's they're like moths to the flame they see the money they see this i mean wooden's on six hundred thousand, i believe on gb news that's big bucks and so, you know, understandably, some people will say, well, I want some of that and I'll, I'll, I'll say anything to, to get that. I can't do that. I, I, it's not, I'm not able to do that. Um, and, you know, like, again, Richie, here's a big testing ground. How many of these great alternative types stood against the vaccines? Well, that's How right. many? That's right. Absolutely. Great point, David. Before we've got maybe three or four minutes left. Sorry for the messing around with the technical stuff. I don't know what happened with Skype earlier on. But anyway, um, loads of questions for you, uh, including this one from Amy. Richie, if you have time, can you ask David to give his opinion on Sunak's plan to phase out smoking in the UK? Is this another test to see how willing the population might be to be told what they legally can and cannot do with their bodies. It's going to increase the age with which you can smoke year on year until nobody yeah. will be able to smoke. What are your thoughts on that, David? Yeah, I totally oppose it. I don't smoke. I've never smoked. But if people want to smoke, that's their right. This is him following Jacinda Ardern. I think she was the first to do this down in New Zealand. And and again, nanny stated so much for being all free-thinking conservatives. All they know is they want to ban things, stop people doing stuff. I, I think the opposite. So, no, but I, I, I don't think it'll even work. I think it's stupid. I also, somebody raised a very valid point that I think the tobacco revenues brought in are about 10 billion a year and the cost to the NHS of treating smokers is two and a half billion. So there's about an eight billion gap 
Uh, yeah. Where's that coming from then? Hmm? Do you know, yesterday, um, you're, you're too busy doing your own stuff, but yesterday on Morning Ireland on RTE Radio 1, an economist sat down and told Onya Lona that Ireland's annual budget to, to, to run the country is about four and a half billion quid uh, or five billion a year. And this economist said the cost of um, putting in place all the necessary uh, frameworks for net zero is going to cost several billion euro a year. And at the same time, Ireland is going to be losing revenue on fuel duty. You see where this is going, David? It's one mm-hmm. massive mm-hmm. bankruptcy, right? He basically told her Ireland is going to be bankrupted by the, the, the fight to mitigate against climate change. And, and yep. of course, while it's being bankrupted, it'll be fined um, into oblivion by the European Union for not meeting its targets. And I just thought to myself yesterday, sure, surely that can only end in one way. And that's with the, you'll be happy and you'll own nothing. Klaus Schwab, you know, Ireland will take over your finances, don't worry about it. You just keep your population in control or under control. Mm. You have to listen. If you get a chance, David, go to RT. I know you know the website. Look for Morning mm. Ireland. Listen to the clips yesterday, this interview. The guy basically said, um, Ireland's going to lose billions in taxation. It won't be able to take taxation. It'll try and tax the people in other ways. It won't succeed in doing that. At the same time, its costs in mitigating climate change will be so astronomical, almost to be unbelievable, the country will be bankrupt. Imagine that, David. Yeah, but I think that's what they want. Yeah. They want, but not not you know, the, the 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 World Economic Forum and all the rest of them. They want Ireland bankrupt. They want the US bankrupt. They want the UK bankrupt. And the way they're going about it, it's going to be the case. And I, by that's why twenty thirty, I think, is so worrisome for those of us who think about it, because, you know, when 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 it all goes pear shaped, then. Um, people get very afraid and then they, they run to the governments that are destroying them. So, uh, yeah, but like the smoking thing is going to uh, cause essentially further bankruptcy within the NHS. But, you, you know, but they don't think, uh, 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 do they think it through or do they just say it for effect? I don't know. I don't know, Richie, but I'm completely unimpressed. David, thanks for coming back today. Love having you on. DavidVance.net. Check out David's podcast. Follow David on Twitter. It's at DVATW, isn't it? I think I've got that right. Yep. DVATW, yeah, on Twitter. Brilliant, David. Thanks, mate. Thanks. And bye for now. David Vance, have a great weekend, David. David Vance live on Thursday's Richie Allen Show. Uh, The show this week brought to you in association with NutraHealth365.com. Ahmad, Dr. Ahmad Malik is standing by. He'll be with me in a moment and he'll even be taking your questions. Your body's defences are under constant attack from flu, respiratory diseases and the common cold. Now more than ever, it is essential that you have a robust immune system. And as we all know, vitamin D3 plays an essential role in this. Immunex 365 is our unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. This unique combination of nutrients ensures efficient bioavailability of D3, thereby giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex Immunex 365 every day. For your peace of mind, all NutriHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Go to NutriHealth365.com to get yours now. That's NutriHealth365.com. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show.
Wonderful stuff. Johnny B. Good, Chocolate Berry on the Richie Allen Show. Five minutes past the hour of six o'clock. I've got um, Dr. Ahmad Malik standing by on. I know what's happening. Something weird happening there. Uh, there's an issue with them. Um, there's a communication issue here in the studio, strangely enough. It's a Skype one. Yeah, it's all very strange. You might have to do WhatsApp then. So I'll just tell him we're doing WhatsApp and we'll do it on WhatsApp. Uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to speak to uh, Dr. Malik, you may do so via uh, the usual ways. You can phone or you can Skype phone or Skype chat with Richie. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Right, we're going to dial up Dr. Ahmad Malik on WhatsApp. It's uh, six minutes past the hour. It's strange. End of the week. These things ordinarily happen on a Monday, but they haven't. They're happening on a Thursday. But I'm delighted to say we've got him. Um, I don't need to tell you too much about him. He's got a fantastic podcast these days. You'll find it at doc, that's D-O-C, malik.com. He's a consultant orthopaedic surgeon based in London. And when we first met him, we asked him on because of his courage in sounding the alarm about the potential harms of COVID vaccines. Welcome back to the programme, Dr. Ahmad Malik. Ahmad, welcome. Oh, mate, thank you so much. And thank sorry, you. I'm sorry for the messing around. I had this problem with my first <laughs> guest as well. It's um, There's gremlins in the works. You know what the astrologers would say? They would say that Mercury is in retrograde. And therefore, we're having communication issues. Listen, you tell me as much or as little as you want to tell me. But you did put out a rather emotional video a couple of weeks back where you talked about an issue that you were having with your employer, which was probably unsurprising. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Maybe there are legal things and maybe you have to be a bit careful. But a lot of people who listen to this programme, um, they care about you and they'd like to know how, how things are going. Oh, mate, uh, first of all, I just want to say, oh, dude, I love you so much. <laughs> I really do. Uh, and let me explain why. Not only is that beautiful chocolate, smooth, velvet voice of yours um, and that Irish lilt, but you know what, mate? Honestly, you know, we've had a few chats now and there's very few people I really genuinely trust, um, respect out there. There's so many people who... Um, you know, purport to be in the freedom movement. They all just talk, 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 armchair warriors and this and that. But, you know, you're the real deal. You're genuine. You are as, as genuine and as authentic as you can get. And, and you know what? It's just it's just nice. Like speaking to you now, I just know you're a mate down the end of the phone. So thank you so much for inviting me on your show, first of all. You're very welcome. Two, um, it's a bit difficult to talk about the stuff right now because I have got a lawyer involved. I have to be very careful what I say. But listen, in a nutshell, um, you know, imagine like, you know, your MOT expired and like you you got the MOT done the next day, right? And you're like, oh, you know what? I I, I, I was expired for a day and I, I got it. I, I then got it done. You wouldn't think there's much of it, but imagine the police p- pitched up at your doorstep and you know what? took your car away and put you under house arrest. That's a yeah. bit hardcore. It's a bit yeah. over the top reaction. And it's, it's something like that, basically. And the reality is because of what I'm doing and what I'm saying, um, they're, they're, you know, trying to 
essentially, I think, try and get to me. And they can't get me on my conduct because, you know, I'm a very ethical surgeon, as you can imagine. I don't operate on a lot of my patients. I don't do things for monetary gain. I do things ethically. I do things holistically. I practice you know, almost functional medicine with surgery. Um, so you can't get me on that. I've got very loyal patients. I've got really great feedback from colleagues and patients. Um, so you can't get me on that. So what do you get people on? Well, you can try and discredit them. And there's playbook things that you can do. You call someone an anti-Semite, a racist, a misogynist, drag up some sexual history in the past or whatever. Um, or, you know, some kind of like financial fraud allegations. You know, there's something you want to bring up some dirt. So they haven't managed to do that. Um, and then, you know, you get people on technicalities, on little processes. And then and then the punishment itself is the process. So, you know, the process is deliberately designed to be stressful, to drag, drag out, to financially cripple you. And, you know, you might come out of the process innocent, but it doesn't matter because the process was the punishment. Um, and so that's what I'm kind of dealing with right now, Richie. But... I don't think you're any stranger to this. <laughs> stranger to this. We've had some chats, and I think you, of all people, know exactly what I'm talking no, about. No, I don't. And you know what? No, I don't. Let me jump in there. I do not. No. Look, while the program has had a, a few hits over the years, and and things have been said about me in the papers, it's nothing compared to you. You're you're a surgeon. You've worked your life for it. You've got a young family. You're in a very expensive part of the country. What you've been putting up with is a damn sight more serious now than anything and there's no false modesty here I have great admiration for you because you knew that there was a good chance at some stage that they'd come yeah. and try and get you and and yet you you went ahead and said what you said anyway and I tell you this and I've said this to two or three other doctors on this program whatever happens in the next 10, 15, 20 years there are people alive today because they met Dr. Ahmad Malik online because they met him online and they decided, I'm not having jab three. I'm not having jab four because this guy is serious. Mm. And keep that in mind always. Not buttering you up at well, all or kissing your arse. There are people alive today because of people like you. Thanks, man. So I just had a, I just did a podcast literally five minutes ago. I ended it with um, Adam Rowland, who is a physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach and is now vaccine injured. Oh, my God, it's a painful, painful podcast listening to his story. And, um, you know, this is what I'm trying to do with my podcast is get the truth out. It's not all COVID. It's not all vaccine. There's so many other things wrong with our society, whether it's what we're doing to our children, this climate scam, the digital IDs that they're bringing in, the 15-minute the cities. I mean, everywhere you look, the game is rigged and it's not good. And the problem is, um, I got this amazing compliment from Ed Griffin, who is the author of a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. That's right. And most people have heard of him. Some people don't. Do you know what? Honestly, I, it brought me a tear to my eye. He, We were talking offline and he said, Ahmed, I see in you what I have. And I said, what was that? What's that? What's that? And he goes, I have the crusader gene and you've got the crusader gene. He goes, less than 1% of people have got that. And, you know, you will sacrifice so much because you are on a mission to tell the truth and do what is right. And unfortunately, life will be tough, but you will prevail. And, 
you know, I've got my wife backing me and supporting me and telling me how much she loves me and it's going to be okay. And, you know, I've been you've down answered. before. You've answered my I've next been question. Down before. Sorry to interrupt you. You've answered my next question because this isn't mm. easy. My next question was how, um, how's Mrs. Malik and what, what does she think about it? Um, but you've answered that question. She is a rock by the sounds of it. She's a rock. <laughs> She's a rock. <laughs> she's such a rock I think sometimes I think I'm, I'm worried about her because <laughs> she she just comes up and, and gives me a hug and a kiss and goes it's all amazing it's wonderful I love you so much you know you're the best and I'm like okay <laughs> I'm like, like is, is everything alright um, she sounds yeah, no, wonderful she's amazing she sounds, she, she's good we we put out today that if, some, if, if one or two people wanted to say hello and ask a question of you they could um, we've got Julie on the line I think it's Julie is it you Julie? It is, yeah. Julie, welcome to uh, the Richie Allen Show. You're speaking with Dr. Ahmad Malik. He will allow you oh, to you. call him Ahmad because he's a gentleman. <laughs> so um, what would you like to ask um, Ahmad? What would you like to say? Well, I don't really want to ask him anything because I, I see if he says he's brilliant. I just want to say thank you to him. I just love listening to him and watching all his lives and everything. He's a great guy. He makes my day every day. Ahmad? Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Julie. And um, would would listening to uh, it's Doc Malik, of course. We'll put the links on the podcast, but you know anyway. How valuable is it, Julie, in terms of picking up information, picking up bits of um, of health tips and stuff like that? What would you say about it? I think most of us sometimes with our families and stuff. I mean, I'm lucky. All my kids and my grandkids and that—they're all like pretty awake. They're not fully there. They didn't have the jab, though, but they're pretty there. But sometimes everyone calls you crazy. And having people like Dr. Malik on there, it's, it just makes you feel like you're you're not insane. You're not alone. And, you know, it, it, it's just a great boost for the day. But it, it, it gets you through the day when sometimes it really isn't easy dealing with all of this. Because you do think like you're mad sometimes. And there's so many people say, what are you talking about? But that's, that's mainly it, really. People like Doc Malik. Do you get, they, do you, they just keep us safe. Thanks, Julie. Do you get that, Ahmad? Do you get that from people who say, you know what, um, coming from a physician, from a consultant orthopaedic surgeon, it's, um, you know, it's proof if I ever needed it that I'm not losing my mind, as Julie said. Mm. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the tactics that were um, employed, and these are, these are deployed, and these are deliberate tactics, is to make anyone who questioned the official narrative uh, to be a crazy person. You know, the typical taglines, conspiracy theorists, nut job, quack. You know, you're you know, it's the ultimate gaslighting. You know, if you if you if you go along with the government narrative, you will never be accused of these labels. It's very simple. If you question the government and the authorities, that's when you get labelled these things. And a lot of people felt very lonely, very isolated. The media was pumping out, the legacy media was pumping out one thing and one thing only. So people were lonely. People were cut off and deliberately so. So people like you and myself are giving a platform where communities are coming together and realising, wow, it's not just me. I'm not the crazy person in the village. There's a goddamn like tribe of us. There's millions of us. There's a huge segment of society who thinks along the same lines as us, that something strange is going on, that the government isn't telling us the whole truth, and you know we can't trust them, and something's not right. Um, so, yeah, I, 
I get a lot of messages. Look, I'm sure you do, um, from people thanking me, um, and that's great, and that kind of validates what you're doing. Fantastic, you know? Julie. Just before we we say goodbye to you, this is a really because you 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 don't even listen to this program, Julie. So you don't. You just you just heard no, about Doctor well, Malik coming do, on. Well, I will do now. I love it. I love it. Julie wasn't wasn't a listener at all, but she saw online today that you were coming on and reached out to to ask could she uh, come on and say hello to you. So I've I've gained a listener, and uh, we've gained a friend. <laughs> so Julie, listen. Thanks very much for reaching out to the show, and I expect to hear you listening well, on Malik's Monday. Really got me. I'm part of his. Um group thing a subscriber so I'm there anyway awesome. but yeah I would definitely be watching um, your show thanks very much Julie have a good day I really appreciate that that's Julie folks so, if you, just just before you come back in Ahmad um, if you'd like yeah. to um, put a question to Ahmad you can do so via the WhatsApp you know the in fact we've got another one coming in right let's do another one and you know what Ahmad this <laughs> is this is brave stuff because um, when I do phone-ins I don't have any idea who's phoning in it could be anybody right <laughs> So it, it, could, it might be it might be Joe Biden having a moment in the Oval Office, oh, right? God. He, he might be trying to phone his, his his nephew or niece or something. Caller, you're live on the Richie Allen show. Who am I speaking with? Martin from Edinburgh. Um, Is it Martin? No, did no, you no, say? No. Yeah, then I'm not going to talk about flat. I was only speaking to the doctor. Okay, Martin, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll ask you to put your question to Ahmad as quick as you can, and then we'll move on. Go on. Oh, well, well, it's a long story, but I'll just cut it short. I had an operation because I had a bad fall. Uh, I cracked my femur. Um, my femur Martin, the line is really, really bad. I don't know if you've got the mouthpiece really close to your mouth, but you're very muffled right, there. I'll put you on off speakerphone. Yeah, look Can at that now. That, that's like you emerged from Loch Ness, Martin. It's like you emerged <laughs> from the depths of Loch Ness. Even better. Right, make your... Because lots of calls coming through, so make your point to Dr. Malik as quick All as right, you can. So Go ahead. Be quick. Uh, basically, um... I cracked my femur bone and uh, I got taken into hospital and they gave me an operation and they screwed it together uh, with screws. And um, this was back in March and uh, zipped me up. And um, ever since then, I've not been able to walk because it turns out after they'd done, a, uh, uh, they'd done an x-ray about six months ago and realized that the screws were poking right through the bone. Too, the screws were too long. And I've been in pain ever since, so I can't walk. So anyway, I went into the hospital the other day there, and they said, well, we can take the screws out to a degree, but we can't take them out completely. We'll just pull them back a wee bit. And I'm thinking, just take them out. I've not been walking for nine months or eight months. Why can't you just take them out? And they said, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. They give me some, I don't know. And I'm just wondering... I just don't yeah. understand. Let me their, let me their, interject. Their, their let me interject. Let me interject. I'm afraid I can't give you advice. One, I'm not covered for it. Two, I haven't seen your X-rays. I haven't seen your individual case. I would say to you, you've got rights, and you need to go back to that hospital. If you're not happy with what they've told you, it's within your rights to say, I want to have a second opinion. And they can refer right. you to another hospital and a specialist centre where you can get a second opinion. And you need, you need right. you basically look. You need to go through patient advisory liaison service pals, and just just yeah, put the pressure on them. Okay, Martin. Yeah. Okay, okay, because. 
do that. Eight months and not being able to walk has been quite hard for me. So it must be horrendous. Yeah, it's terrible. I'll do that. I'll terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Martin, do that and do get back in touch with us. Send me a message and let me know how you get on. I really appreciate Ooh. that, Martin. There. If you'd like to um, ask Doctor Malik, not an orthopedic question, please, because he can't answer those questions. He's not um, allowed to do that legally. He can't do that. But if you'd like to make a point about the last three years, if you'd like to ask a question about personal health, it's quite simple. Here are the details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. It's great to have Doc Malik himself live on the programme. Um, the podcast is brilliant, by the way. It looks absolutely fantastic. All bells and whistles. And you're getting some incredibly interesting people on there, right? Yeah. Can I just go back to that Julie person? She is special. And I'll tell you why she's special. So I've got about 30,000 people tuning in, listening to my podcast. And I release about three or four a week, which is a lot, by the way. Um, Of the 30,000 odd people who are listening to my podcast, about 1,300 subscribe to my Substack newsletter. And of that... Only 216, I believe, are paying £3.50 a month to support me, which is now my main source of income. So if you think of, you know, all those people, those 30,000 people, only 200 are actually giving me any money, of which one of them is Julie. So I just want to say thank you, Julie, very much. It means a lot to me. That's going really well, um, by the way. Can, can I explain mm-hmm. that? Not, I'm not mansplaining anything to you. I mean, you've got a genius of an intellect, so I'm not, but I know this arena. That's a fantastic um, return, by the way, on uh, the 30,000. It's only, I've not got the statistics right here, but I will send them to you privately. It is only a tiny, mm-hmm. tiny, 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 tiny fraction of of a listening or a viewing audience who will make a financial contribution to something which they can get for free. It's not down to meanness or tight-fistedness. It's a strange one. But as your listener, your viewership grows, which it's going to exponentially, obviously, because it's very good and you're a really natural guy when it comes to chatting with people and getting the best out of them. As it grows, that percentage will obviously stay the same, but the income will, will grow. And we're saying this, dear listener, because... Um, people, I don't know how to put this without maybe you giving me a slap later on, but um, <laughs> people like Dr. Ahmad Malik are not going to be able to do what they did for a living um, in the future. They're not going to be able to do it. It's as simple as that. Roadblocks are being I put in the so. way. Exactly. Um, but no, you, you, yours, yours will grow naturally and then it will bring in a sufficient income you for you to cover really the bills. You know what's really funny, Richard? The people that support me are just average bog standard people who are not wealthy, who've not got a lot of money, but are just fed up. Yeah. These aren't people rolling in cash. They're, you know, they're 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 sacrificing and paying out to help and support me. And it's funny, so many people reach out to me who are wealthy. I know they're wealthy. They're semi-famous and all that kind of stuff. And they'll tell me how amazing it is what I'm doing and how their wives are listening to my podcast and love it. But you know what? They don't even cough up £3.50 a month. No, it's funny. It's all talk. <laughs> it's all just talk advice, which I don't really need. <laughs> no, it's, no. Um, well, so this... I, th- I thank all the, the listeners out there and the supporters, just people who are fed up and are fighting the fight, you know? I've got, 
Absolutely. Dr. Ahmad Malik is our guest. Sarah says, Richie, can you ask Ahmad about the spike mm. protein? How can they determine the dose of spike protein they inject into a person? If they are using vials to take five injections from one vial, so if they're taking five injections from one vial, how can they determine the dose of spike that each recipient gets? I hope it makes sense to Sarah. Um, she's asked this no, question. I, I think that's that's a great question. I actually even just mentioned it literally a few minutes ago so I can rattle it off right very, very quickly. So part of the informed consent to me what would have been, you know, if I was a researcher producer, uh, producing this vaccine or if I was a regulatory body um, wanting to, you know, ask questions of the manufacturers and say, look, okay, you've got this product. You say you make this spike protein and it's and it's going to war, you know, the body then gets used to it, makes antibodies. So when when it sees the big bad virus, it'll be ready to protect itself. Um, one, why are you making the most toxic part of the bad virus? Um, number one. Number two, when you do um, inject this modified RNA, not messenger RNA, into the body. Where does it go in the body? Does it go into the brain? Does it go into the womb? Does it go into the baby? Does it go into the reproductive organs? Two, how long does it last there for? Three, how much of the spike protein is it being made? What's the range of the spike protein being made from one person to another? Is there a maximum dose that is allowed before it becomes toxic? You know, is there a way to turn off the spike protein? Is there an antidote for the spike protein? You know, if it gets too high, is there something you can take to, to negate it or cancel it? <clears throat> And um, are there any teratogenic effects? Does it cause cancer? Does it have any problems when you have a baby? You know, all these kind of things, all these questions and more. I would have been asking if I was a manufacturer, researcher or the regulatory body. Now, as far as I know, no one has the answers to these questions because these questions haven't been asked. Which begs the question, what was our regulatory body doing? And it is quite alarming and scary. To say the least, we've got... Uh, sorry, you, you were going to say, Ahmed, sorry, I cut across you, go ahead. So I can't really answer a question because no one's got the answers. And that's an answer in itself. We've got Dell, who's in Stoke. Let me just bring Dell in. If you'd like to um, say uh, hello to Dr. Malik, if you'd like to ask him a question, get in touch via uh, chat with Richie on Skype at 0161818 0161818 I can't take in WhatsApp um, calls at the moment without compromising Dr. Malik's number, so I can't do that. Um, I'm sorry about that. We were going to chat on Skype, but I'm having a problem here. It's not Ahmad's problem. It's my problem here in the studio. So you can't phone in on WhatsApp because if I take your call in, um, data protection, I can't have Ahmad's number being out there, so we can't do that. Adele, who's in Stoke. Hello, Adele. Welcome. Hi, Richie. Okay. I am, buddy. Lovely to hear from you. Say hello to Dr. Malik and have a chat with him. Hello, Mr. Malik. Okay. Hey. Hey Dell, right. how can I help uh, you, buddy? Yeah. Go right I ahead, Dell. Just, I was just wondering. Um, CBD has been CBD oil has been um, quite popular recently, and I was just wondering if you've had any um, experience with it yourself. It's like, or, or do you think it's a good thing or not? And yeah, just your views yeah. on it. So <laughs> this is a this is a really easy 
re- really easy question for me to answer. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I've just not looked into it at all. I know one or two doctors who speak very highly of it and say it's fantastic stuff. Um, there's chemicals within it, which I can't even remember the name of, and they say it's actually really good. Um, there's a whole bandwagon that's jumped onto it, um, and you can seem to buy it anywhere and everywhere. I, I'm sure there are health benefits. I have no idea. I've not. I've just not had the time to look into it. Like I'm dealing with so many things, podcasts, my my current legal issues, my guests. the The range of the interviews that I've got are so varied. Try and keep up with everything is just very difficult. And research. So, no, I haven't gone there yet. I will at one point. I will. And I re- promise. And research them and everything. Dell, just before you go, and lovely to meet you, by the way, Dell. I'm. Having spoken with um, Matt Letizier on the show recently, uh, he was also on Ahmad's podcast, by the way. I can't recommend it highly enough. But um, listening to Matt, I've ordered some to have a go at my insomnia. So I've ordered a little bit just to see, to have a go. But I'm with Ahmad. I just don't know enough. But then Ahmad's the expert here. He's the doctor. Tell just very quickly, have you used it? I have, yeah. I've, um, I've tried the oil. And like you know, you, you can get heat balm um, with CBD in it, um, or like moisturising cream type things. I've got I've got the heat balm one and the like a normal. So is it for uh, just, to, just is it, a cream? Is it for muscular pain for yourself? And has it been has it been any good for you? Is it giving you some relief? Um. Well, my missus uses this as well. She's she really um, likes the heat bomb um, CBD one, and she she thinks it's really good. She she's used it and thinks it works better than you know, like just your generic um, heat bomb rubs. Yeah, like um, deep heat and stuff. Yeah, because I've used all that yeah, stuff yeah, before. Like she's, yeah, she's tried that and. I'll tell you what, um, Del, I'll I'll let you know when I receive mine and I use it if I find it any good. But um it's something to dedicate some time to on the programme in the future, no doubt. Thank you, Del. Lots of people trying to get through. I will take your calls. It is interesting, Ahmad, isn't it? Um the whole C B D oil. You'll eventually meet people on your excellent podcast, and it is excellent by the way. You'll meet people eventually <laughs> whose whose youngsters are having these terrible these really rare forms of epilepsy with the very serious seizures. And they find mm. that the, the oil with the little bit of THC content does miracles for them. It completely transforms their lives. So there's something in it anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I've heard lots of good things. So I'm just not going to talk about it because I, <laughs> I don't know anything. Oh, right. And, you know, I'm the first to put my hands up and say, if I don't know, I don't know. Um and that's part of the journey of life, trying to learn and find out things. But be honest at the same time. Tell the I truth. Don't believe in bu- I don't believe in bullshitting. Doc Malik, D-O-C-M-A-L-I-K dot com. You'll find Dr. Ahmad Malik on Twitter. Follow him there. We're getting inundated with calls. Imagine we had somebody famous on Dr. Malik. Imagine. We're getting inundated with calls at the moment. Caller, you're on the air. Good evening. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. It's Cindy. Hello, Cindy. Say hello to Dr. Malik and have a chat with him. Hi, Malik. How are you? Ahmed, Ahmed. I'm great, Cindy. Hello, hello. Oh, good stuff. Um, I just wanted to ask you, so I was on citalopram. It's um, a drug for anxiety and depression. I was on that for about 13 years. Now, I managed to get off it recently. 
and um, mm. I just we- weaned myself off it basically. And I've read a little bit about it since, and apparently, I don't know whether this is true, I just read in some American kind of um, websites that it can cause heart disease if it's taken over a long period of time. I just wondered if you knew anything about that. Mm, interesting question. Um, well, I'm, gonna, I'm doing a podcast with someone called Dr. Rachel Brown next Thursday, who's a psychiatrist, and I, I would definitely um, ask her that question. I don't know. I recently did a podcast with someone else, and they talked about PSSD, which is a complication you can get with um, these antidepressants, and that's all about cognitive function and sexual dysfunction and sleep problems. But, you know, with all these drugs, yeah, there are side effects possible, and and that's the only ones we know about. And the ones they've researched, God knows what other side effects exist. So I, I'm not 100% sure, um, but I will ask mm. that question to Dr. Rachel Brown. So watch out for that podcast. I'll tell you what, okay. Cindy. And, Sorry, Cindy, yeah. you, you, you've got something else to say and you will get the time to yeah, say that. No, go no, ahead. No, I was going to say about the weaning off. I mean, so you did that yourself, did you? Did you have any help or did you just... No, I, don't, the... I didn't go to the doctor because... Um, <laughs> I don't have a great relationship with my doctor, so I don't, I don't really, um, I don't really trust them after the whole, you know, the past couple of years. I don't trust anything that they have to say. But um, yeah, no, I oh. just weaned myself off. I started like uh, after a week, two weeks, um, it, you know, downing it, uh, you know, one tablet every second day, and then one every third day. And I did it really, really slowly. Like I was taking every second day for about three weeks then every third day for another three weeks. It was very, I was only on like the lowest dose possible. But, um, and I'm really disappointed actually in my doctor because I was, I actually told, I spoke to a GP recently, well, my GP at my practice over the phone. Um, I spoke to her recently and she was extremely surprised that I was on it for that long. Um, it was well, severe can anxiety I, can that I... That let let Ahmad come had. back in, Cindy. Let Ahmad come back in on that so, point. Cindy, Go ahead. Cindy, one thing I just want to say, I think what, what you've done is incredible because the, the nature of these drugs and the way they're prescribed by doctors is you're just a patient for life. So what might have been a temporary problem, temporary anxiety, temporary depression, you just put on these drugs and you're just told to stay on it forever just in case it comes back. You know, you're feeling better yeah. and... Um, you know, just in case you come back, stay on it. And and the problem is no one ever questions, really no one de-prescribes you. Um, so I think it's incredible that you actually did that. Look, I looked up while you were chatting to Richie and it says yes. citalopram is not suitable for some people. And if you have a heart problem, citalopram can make your heart beat faster or cause an irregular heartbeat. And apparently it's all, there was also a study showing that after 10 years, those on SSRIs had a 34% increased risk of heart disease. So there you go. I've learned something there as well. So, yeah. you know, are people who are put on these drugs told this? And this is what it, it all comes down to informed consent. When people are given a medical intervention, are they told all these facts? And if they're not, that's not informed consent. Very true. Richie, can I just say one more thing? Go ahead. So since I came off the citalopram, and that was January, so we're now what, October now, um, I started having really bad panic attacks, very, very bad. And, um, and that's what I had in the beginning years ago, my 20s, and I'm mid-40s now. So I actually tried CBD oil for the first time 10 days ago, 
so I've been taking it every day for 10 days and in the past four days and some parts of my job is very high pressure and I have to give presentation in front of a lot of people um, and over the past couple of days I haven't had any panic attacks whatsoever. Wow. That's, that's amazing. amazing. So, yeah. yeah, and that's using the CBD oil. Um, and I just I just bought it from one of the high street shops and it's a spray on your tongue and you can take up to 70 milligrams a day. Um, and I take about, depending on the day, I might take 40 or 50. But it, I haven't had a panic attack. So, Cindy, that's brilliant. It's something I've read. I've read this. I've read that it's very good with anxiety and it's very good with sleeplessness, which is why I've had a go at it. Um, I do. I get the occasional bout of anxiety, but it's me. It's really the, the, the insomnia for me. But Cindy, thanks for that. That's brilliant. I want to take another Thank couple you. of calls. Um, Cheers to that. No, it's great to, to speak to you, Bye, Cindy. Cindy. Thank you. Amma, that's brilliant. Thanks. You wouldn't believe, look, hundreds of messages coming in. Um, calls, we've got Paul standing by. Listen, um, Dr. Ahmad Malik is our guest, by the way. Uh, DocMalik.com. Orthopedic surgeon. Um, all around good guy. And here's one from Jamie. I don't know if Ahmad will know this, but here, here goes, he says. I have wondered... If my hormone treatment for my prostate cancer, which causes me a lot of fatigue, he says. So the hormone treatment for the prostate cancer is causing fatigue. I wonder if the treatment could be affected by me having the COVID jabs and maybe enhancing the side effects. Jamie says that he had two jabs. What do you reckon? Oh, oh man, who, who knows? Anything is possible with these things. I mean, the reality is, I mean, listening to this um, Adam Rowland, who I can talk about, you know, he shared his information on the podcast. You know, it's affected everything. It's affected his heart. It's affecting his nerves, his muscles, his ears, his eyesight. You know, we don't know what these drugs do. And that's part of the problem where not only do we not know what the problems are, we're not even allowed to question. You know, if you question how dare you? If you question, you're going to get struck off. You're going to get investigated. You're going to get suspended. Um, so we can't even get to the point where we're, we can ask these questions and say, is there an interaction on the prostate? Do, do, do they interact with other drugs? So think about when you do drug development, you, you test that drug in isolation. But what we don't look at is how, and this is a biological drug, by the way. So it's, it's different from a small molecule drug like aspirin. This is a biological drug. This is a different when it when it enters the human body and all the cells and the organs and everything else. How does it interact? What does it do? And then how does that interaction interplay work with other compound drugs and stuff? And where are the studies? So take for example, people are saying go go get the flu and COVID shot. Okay, well you know they they've got these rubbishy flu studies and the, and the, and some these sham kind of like COVID studies. Where's the flu and COVID study to show that, you know, it works and it's safe and there's no interaction? So in answer to this question, like, I just don't know. He's getting hormone therapy for treating the cancer. Is the vaccine affecting it? I just don't know. Really good Who stuff, Ahmad. We're, 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 we're rapidly getting through the hour. I've got Paul on the line. We'll get to Paul in a minute. But it's some very serious questions, which, by the way, Ahmad might not necessarily have the answers to these folks, but thanks for sending them in. Um, Amanda says, Richie, um, I wonder if I could put to Dr. Malik, I feel I'm being fobbed off by my GPs. I've been on various SSRIs for years. I desperately want to get off them, but seem to have withdrawal type symptoms when I do. How can I persuade the doctors? 
to look into the possibility of there being another underlying cause such as a nutritional deficiency or thyroid problems etc and Amanda says I also have heavy periods she says flooding and they refuse to look into whether it might be perimenopause Ahmad what's going on with medicine why will they not look into when Amanda says can you look into nutritional deficiency or thyroid problems why 100% so I think there's a massive thyroid problem and iodine deficiency for sure um, there's also a massive nutritional problem because the food is so nutritionally depleted because the land is depleted. You know, we're raping it of all the nutrients. We're pumping it with all this crap and um, fertilizers and God knows what else and monoculture and mass agra. And then the rubbish food that's processed that we're given us and uh, given to us, um, which is meant to be good for us, which is not. Uh, the problem is also doctors. People think doctors know a lot. Um, they don't. I hate to burst that bubble. Doctors don't know a lot. They think they know a lot, but they don't. And the way they're taught in med school is indoctrination, not critical thinking, not investigation. It's rote learning. And when a doctor is challenged by a patient, they feel threatened and they feel uncomfortable. And the easiest thing is to just shut the patient down, which is the opposite to what they should be doing, which is listening to the patient, listening to their concerns and saying, I don't know. I'm going to look into this and get back to you. And that's what a, doc- a good doctor should be saying. Because the reality is, a doctor can't know everything. You know, they cannot know everything. But what they can do is go and look for the answers. And often they might say, I, I can't find the answers, but we'll keep digging. And if I don't find anything, I'll refer you to a colleague and we'll, and they'll go digging. Because sometimes, sometimes you just need a fresh pair of eyes and ears. You know, you just need a second opinion. Um, but the reality is the system is designed as such that it won't allow that. There's so much pressure pressure cooker the doctors are under a lot of pressure and and it's not even you know necessarily all of their fault you know i I think part of the fault of theirs is that they don't push back but again it's part of that indoctrination but the system is designed to force them to work under conditions which are really awful and not conducive to good health so the nhs isn't national health service but national disease service now coming back to what she's talking about and de-prescribing i'm going to be getting a psychiatrist another psychiatrist on called joseph witt doring who is now uh, you know almost exclusively de-prescribing people he's getting people off these drugs and i'll make a point to ask him on my podcast how can a patient as an individual safely come off these drugs because the reality is you are going to get addicted you are going to have withdrawal symptoms so it has to be done in a very safe manner otherwise you're going to have problems we've just lost, so um we lost you know i would just say watch out for that watch out for that podcast where i speak to joseph doring uh joseph witt doring about de-prescribing safely i'll make sure i you know Thanks, I, I get as much useful information out. It is going to be the go-to podcast on on health in the UK. There's no doubt about that. DocMalik.com. We've got Paul on the line. Good evening, Paul. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And it's a delight to hear uh, Ahmed. My my wife um, was she put me onto Ahmed because she knows I'm kind of addicted to 
lots and lots of stuff. I've been reading thousands of substacks and all sorts. What is it about our What is it about our wives that like this man, this uh, doctor, this <laughs> Scottish guy in London? I don't know what's going on there. I was thinking. Well, we I was like thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's the wives. The wives. Paul, you're very well. You're, you're very welcome, pal. You know we're tight for time. So what would you like to say yeah, to yeah, uh, to I, Emma? I, I, I'll try and make this a very quick preamble, right? So um, I've, I've spoken to on, on the show before. You, you know the story about my my father-in-law uh, being murdered by Medazolam in hospital he had pneumonia after being admitted after a fall yeah. uh, i had a chat with the doctor i done some research found out about intravenous vitamin c as a possible thing to try and other things and it was completely blanked and then next thing we know sudden phone call in the morning and oh yeah we're making him comfortable that lovely euphemism and we just got there before he passed his last breath so that that's one thing so i've had an experience where i've tried to introduce to an nhs environment listen you know, this is happening. I've read about this. Oh, no, no, no. We don't do that here. Oh, no, I don't even think we've got any vitamin C intravenous in the in the pharmacy. That kind of crap. So, anyway, he's gone now. And um, we're, we're kind of, you know, resigned to you're never going to get anywhere if you complain. Now, the reason I'm, I'm calling uh, Ahmad is... Um, you know, I've looked into all sorts of stuff, you know, hydrochloroquine, ivermectin, fembendazole, which is uh, uh, g- gaining traction as, as a, an alternative cancer treatment, apart from the slash and burn and poison you with chemo stuff. And we've got a very mm. dear friend who has had uh, Whipple surgery. Um, she's got, uh, uh, she's had the jab too, which isn't good. And she's really, really suffering now. And now, now fortunately, her husband has got Bupa, so she's being treated and she's jumped the queues and all that stuff. Brilliant. But she's still, she, she has a, a step forward. Her things are looking good. And then she goes back. Now, what you said earlier about second opinions with hospitals. Now, if I'd have known, I, I could have um, argued with that doctor at that time about my father-in-law. I would have said, no, I want a second opinion. Don't do anything. Do not touch him. Do not give him anything until we've... But anyways, would have, should have, could have. Too late now. Now, something in America that strikes me is, again, the, 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 the medical boards are all captured. Paul, I don't want to be rude now, but is yeah, there a so question I'm, I'm in here, Paul? The point right now, right now. Thank so, you, thank you. basically, one of the things that they've come up with is they, they sometimes they've had to get lawyers involved and sue hospitals. Uh, right to try. Have you heard of right to try, um, Ahmed? And do no. you think that, uh, obviously, the NHS is a, a monolith. Uh, it's it's you know constrained by nice and all the drugs they can produce. What 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 do you think about if people like us are researching stuff that doctors don't have time to do? Is there a way where we can challenge some of the orthodoxy and say, hang on a sec? Uh, there's these papers, these studies, these whether they're preprints or peer reviewed or not. Brilliant question. This is showing this. We want our family member that we love dearly. We want you to look into this before you go ahead and do your brilliant ritual. question, Paul. This is an outstanding Thank you. question. Yeah. Right. So that's a great question, and um, here here is my answer to that. Right. So basically, hold on one sec. Um, someone sent me this message. Um, it's creating a PDF. I need to open it up. So someone has reached out to me and told me about this website, and I want you to look into it. Um, where is it? It's called. My Medical Choice. I think there's a website. Yeah, www.mymedical-choice.org. And that's basically giving a person's medical directive and making sure that you're, it's respected during an emergency. I mean, I know it's slightly different from what you're saying, but what I'm trying to say is, um, yeah, you're worried when you get into hospital, no one's going to listen to you. They're going to do whatever they want to do, give transfusions, give jabs or whatever. 
if you go to that website, you can actually leave like almost like a living will, a directive of how you want to be treated and what you do not want done to you. And what I would say to you is basically everyone needs to be as informed as possible. That's the reason why I'm doing my podcast. Inform everyone. And you know what? It doesn't matter if the doctor says, oh, I don't know. No, it doesn't matter. You push back. You know, they will bullies try and shut you up and say, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about. No, you say, excuse me. I have the right to speak. I'm, I'm, I know my medical ethics and informed consent. I want to know certain things. And it's your duty as a doctor and treating clinician to answer to your best abilities, my questions. And if you don't know the answers, to seek out the answers from others. Make sure you write your questions. Make sure you are not emotional. Make sure you're calm and composed. Because what will happen is they'll start to say, oh, you're agitated or you're angry or, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're disrupting or you're, no, don't, don't play along with those tactics. Just be very calm and cool and stick to your guns. That's all I would say. Brilliant stuff. Paul, that's excellent. What a question that is. Cheers, Paul. Okay, oh, you got crack on. I know you got plenty. I could say more, but uh, everyone else who I've listened to tonight has been brilliant. And uh, Ahmed, last thing I say, a lot of doctors have got this god complex, which, as well as being yes. indoctrinated, they through their kind of daily work, they think I have the power, and they don't like being challenged. You, sir, are not a god complex guy. You are uh, a true. <sighs> You're an angel. Do you know mate. there's a you're, reason? You're... Do you know why, Paul? Because I'm working class through and yeah, through. Me too. Yeah. Oh, last that's thing, why, so, mate. Very quickly, last thing, that's I'm why. Paul, I'm, I'm, Paul, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it there, Paul, because we're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of time any minute. Uh, Doctor Jerry Waters in Dublin, the son of a bus driver. Um, you and he cut from the same cloth completely, genuine, down to earth, open. Can have the Mickey taken out of them. Um, you can't beat that. Patricia says, without wanting to sound cruel, anyone who allows something to be pumped into their body without researching what it is deserves what they get. That's harsh, Patricia. We don't always have time to research it, but I hear you. Billy says, I take a supplement called Phenibut, that's P-H-E-N-I-B-U-T. Would, um, would Ahmad know anything about Phenibut by any chance? I've never heard of it. No idea. What is that? I don't know. He just said supplement. P-H-E-N. I, I, I kind of generally do know a tiny bit about supplements because I, I, I hear so much about them from, from, from listeners and whatnot. We've got um, only about three minutes left before we're going to run out of time. It's flown by. And we've Part had lots of, and lots of calls that couldn't get through. And we couldn't do WhatsApp because um, you can blame me for that. The Skype is playing up. And I couldn't take you on WhatsApp because if I did, you know, I'd be exposing Ahmad and there's data protection issues. And he would beat the granny out of me not that my listeners would ever be um, so 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 terrible as to be trolling him but we couldn't do that um i just want to mention that this week this particular radio show uh, is brought to you by nutrahealth365.com protect yourself for winter go to nutrahealth365.com thanks Eamon there yeah it's been a brilliant hour we're gonna to have to do this again with your permission of course taking these calls they're brilliant Lo- love to love to me where the hell did the hour go what the hell? I didn't get to talk to you. I know it's live radio. It's fantastic. Listen, you, you said some very nice things about the show and about, about us earlier on. We really appreciate that. Um, can I ask you this? I asked um, 
every guest this week I ask it. It's a trite. It's a bit trite this question, but I'm going to finish with it um, because you're such um you're such an effervescent character. You're so full of optimism. You've had a few very serious knocks in recent weeks, and to shake up anybody with a young family, and yet you're like um, screw it. You know I'm going to keep moving forward, and you've got your beautiful wife who's a rock there for you. So I'm guessing I know the answer to this question. The night might be dark at the moment, but um, is humanity going to get through all of this, do you think? Yes, 100%. Look, it's just, we need to break out of the cycle. The problem is it's just cyclical. It happens again and again and again. And I don't think humanity is ever going to elevate itself until it breaks through the cycle. But we're just just going through the cycle. And, you know, they've overplayed their hand. They're absolute nut jobs. They've lost the plot. And this is the empire that's in its last gasp they're dying and you know when you're in your death throes you're lashing out just imagine this monster of tentacles lashing out trying to hold on for dear life uh, and they and, you know and they might be deluded and think they're all powerful but they're not it's slipping slipping through their fingers and you know what the problem is as they die they're going to take a lot of people out with them that's <laughs> like that unfortunately and that's where you know i think things are going to get worse before they get better and I think it's going to have to be the case because until things get worse and a lot more people suffer, um, not enough people are going to actually wake up to what's actually going on. That's so things enough. will get tough, but I think in about 10 years' time, we'll break through, break through and it'll be better. Um, until then, buckle down and um, prepare yourself and your families for the, you know, the crisis. Make sure you, you're strong with your communities, look after your health. It's not all about money, but you know, just stay out of debt. Don't don't go on lavish, expensive holidays. Don't take out a flash car and credit. Don't just don't feed the the system. Debt is your slavery. So stay out of credit and debt. You know, just live a simple life. Connect with nature, your family, your friends, your community, and um, switch off all the legacy media support. Richie Allen and support Amon Malik. <laughs> That's 100%. all I can say. Listen, docmalik.com, D-O-C-M-A-L-I-K.com. You've been listening to Dr. Ahmad Malik, orthopedic surgeon and a great, great bloke. The podcasts are brilliant. Pisses me off, actually, a bloke like you can just jump into it and make it look so good and sound so well. We'll have to dig down I'm into sorry. that. No, it's very good. <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed and I'm very critical when it comes to uh, the alternative media. Thanks again. Uh, love to your family and I look forward to next time. Have a great weekend and um, may the road rise with you, as we say in Gaelic country. Look after yourself, Ahmed. Thank you. You too, brother. You too, brother. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye for now. And thanks to everybody who phoned in. Fantastic calls uh, during the programme. I really appreciate them. And to those of you who couldn't get through, I apologise. Do you know, I'll ask him to do a two-hour show before Christmas. He's a busy man. And he'll answer some of those questions that you were putting to me via the email, but... Look at the emails that have come in again. Look at several hundred emails about all manner of things like blood transfusions. And, and these are all good questions. Peptides. William has a question about hybrid peptide DNA nanostructures. I'm sure, William, he'd have something to say on all of that. Look, we'll do it again. We'll do it again in the uh, near future. Look, I'm going to leave you. 
and go and have myself a cold beer. It's the end of the week. I'm back with you on Sunday morning for the other show. Nothing to do with this. It's called Sunday Morning Melodies. Uh, but before I do say my goodbyes, there's time to do this. Just time to do this. It's important. The show brought to you this week by NutraHealth365.com. Your body's defences are under constant attack from flu, respiratory diseases and the common cold. Now more than ever, it is essential that you have a robust immune system. And as we all know, vitamin D3 plays an essential role in this. Immunex 365 is our unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. This unique combination of nutrients ensures efficient bioavailability of D3, thereby giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. For your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Go to NutraHealth365.com to get yours now. That's NutraHealth365.com. Support the company, support the Richie Allen Show. Thank you for listening. I'll speak to you. The Richie Allen Show returns this coming Monday, uh, the 9th. This coming Monday, the 9th. But the uh, Melodies is on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock UK time. A thousand thanks to David Vance for his conversation in the first air. Love having David on, davidvance.net. And to Dr. Ahmad Malik for his company this air and for answering your questions, docmalik.com. Closing out with this. Bye. Speak to you real soon then.